0: Rachel White, and people call me the skeptical showman. They say it like it's a contradiction, but it's not. For more than a decade, I've been researching and building tools for the spiritually homeless. You know, the curious but critical thinking people that, like me, have had a tough time navigating a landscape of gurus and grifters and crystal-heavy people, searching for a way to fill what Neil Gaiman called that God-shaped hole all while, of course, not getting taken. As the host of the Skeptical Shaman podcast, I want to help us all develop a map of this confusing terrain. I'm going to talk to everybody, the curious, the skeptical, the cynical, and yes, even the true believers. Together, we can safely explore the world of Wu and get closer to some meaningful existential truths. This is the Skeptical Shaman. And now, a word from our sponsors.
1: Are you feeling stuck, frustrated or disconnected in the humdrum of everyday life? Wondering where all the magic went? Is there an ancient Sumerian demon whispering Zul from inside your refrigerator, leaving you with a palpable sense of looming dread every night? Are eldritch terrors acting up and gazing back at you from the void? Well, the totem tarot deck might be right for you. One shuffle of these magical cards can transport you to a realm of unending adventure, providing crucial breadcrumbs as you navigate the strange and inevitable spiritual scavenger hut of life. Purchase the Totem Tarot deck from Etsy or Amazon, then just unwrap, shuffle, and watch as the high strangeness grows from within your daily life. The Totem Tarot deck. What's your totem? Disclaimer. The Totem Tarot deck is connected to an ancient source of otherworldly metaphysical power. If you use the Totem Tarot deck, you understand that you may experience dimensional drift. Use responsibly.
0: Okay. Good morning, good evening to whoever's listening to this. It's morning here in Central Texas, aka Jurassic Park. And I am thrilled, thrilled to be joined today by a very special guest, a lovely lady by the name of Bonnie Peace. Bonnie has a spiritual practice called Absolent Sky. She has an incredible podcast called I Am The Sky, right? I'm not butchering that. That's Thanks. right. And I first came across to you admittedly in a documentary on HBO, but found you to be an incredibly inspiring human being and not in that famous person kind of way, but that actually like earned wisdom kind of way. And before I get into the rest of, you know, your intro on how I discovered you, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit in your own words?
2: Yeah, I guess I'll say I'm originally from Australia and lived in the US for a long time. Now I'm an Australian and US citizen and now living in Portugal with my husband in Lisbon, and I'm a singer-songwriter, actress, intuitive, mentor. I escaped a cult. That's a whole other chapter, <laughs> as you mentioned. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I do a lot of different things, but those are kind of the main ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people might know you from a couple of Star Wars movies and the show Obi-Wan Kenobi, which Bradford and I did watch. And I did too. The little girl who plays Princess Leia, that was... She was just the best. She's so her.
2: amazing. She yeah. I got to to hang out with her on set and watch her doing her scenes and everyone's just like belting.
0: She's so beautiful. Yeah, the character she's and the actress. Precocious and kind of a tomboy and ungarnable. And I like that a lot. Yes. She's a rebel. So, you know, you you yada 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 over the uh, I survived a cult. <laughs> Which is fine because it is probably, you know, hopefully increasingly going to be a smaller and smaller sub bullet in your life and in your personal and professional resume. I would hope for you. And it feels Uh, that way, which is why I
2: kind of say it like that, because at a certain point it was everything. And I couldn't even say anything else without mentioning that. And now it really feels like the past. And I even actually forget what we've been through. People have to remind me like it's gone.
0: It's like, oh, right. Yeah, I just got myself breathe deeply when I heard you say that because working with people in various stages of trauma recovery and myself being someone, you know, with a PTSD diagnosis, not a cult, Mm -hmm. but, you know, doesn't really matter to your nervous system. Actually, it's like the minute you get to a point where it's less of a looming um, theme or narrative thread in your life, it's it's getting out of prison really in a way. Yeah, yeah. but one thing I did want to talk to you about, because people listening to this, if you've done the coaching program with me, I really ask people to watch the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, coaching clients and otherwise, because I think the personal development field, spiritual growth, new age field, there's a lot of corollaries. And it's, in my opinion, a human scaled example of what you can learn from other people's experience. So you don't have to go through some of that. And even if you're just in a, pardon my, like a fucked up romantic relationship with somebody, it's probably a good thing to watch. Courthous yeah. control, covert narcissism, all those things. Are friendship. In the or friendship mix. Yes. Yes. And so one thing you and I have talked about privately that was not in the documentary is your spiritual awakening. It started before that whole timeline. And I think that's really important. And you had mentioned like it did not get captured at all your kundalini awakening and this you know, spiritual growth spurt that you experienced. And that's something a lot of people listening to this are going to, I think, feel a connection to and maybe have their own parallels with, even if they're not in the same environment. So do you mind sharing a little bit about what that was like for you, how you experienced it? Some, I call them like ascension symptoms. They're not always Mm -hmm. that much fun. Yeah. People think you're going to have a halo and sprout wings and it's like, they're going to feel kind of banged up. Yeah. yeah. there's
2: There's a bit of that, but it's certainly a balance. Um, or not balanced at times. I mean, so I really started seeking, like looking for something within myself when I was 25. And I was living in LA, I was doing the whole Hollywood thing, and I just had reached a point of stress. And I was like, I must find something. And so I started meditating. And I, I actually had kind of the beginnings or a Kundalini awakening then, where suddenly it everything just opened up and I had this rush of incredible, like, energy, bliss, love, everything. And I was in that state for three days. And it was, it was bliss. And I also wasn't very functional. I was driving around LA. Um, I I think I had a little bumper to bumper or something because, you know, you're just kind of out of it, like, so in the joy. But that woke me up out of some of the trappings of Hollywood, and I started to think, okay, there's really something deeper. If I'm feeling this joy, if this is possible, then what am I doing in all of this? And so, you know, I tried a number of different things, programs, workshops, all kinds of things, and then I, yeah, came into what I call ESP. Other people call it Nexium, but we always knew it as ESP. Yeah, and that's executive
0: success programs, right?
2: Right, Yeah. yeah. And you can kind of guide the conversation wherever you want to go. But I was in for seven years and I guess it was in the sixth year where I got the intuitive guidance loud and clear. It was like, stop everything you're doing and just meditate until you find who you really are. And so I listened. It was loud. And for 10 days, I just, I canceled most of my plans and just meditated, meditated, meditated listened to spiritual podcasts, which were starting to break me out of the trappings of the yeah. cult, like opening my mind. And yeah, then on the 10th day, there was a, a like huge, huge Kundalini awakening where I'd reached a point where there was no fear in my body, which was a shock. I hadn't felt that before. It was like total ease. And I went to sleep and then I woke up at 2 a.m., and everything was being rewired, like math equations that I could see in my arms and, like, whatever you want to call it, DNA rewiring and just light and total joy in every cell of my being. And that lasted for three months and broke me out it the incredible. Cult.
0: And I have, like, the chills. Number one, I've had that experience. It, it didn't with, like, DNA or math equations. It looked like literally neural pathways. Like, I'm yeah. seeing my own neural pathways. And all night long, sometimes, like, you know, for eight hours at a time. But yeah, the thing that really strikes me about this is you're doing this program with, you know, this individual group of individuals that say they can give you joy. They've nailed it down to a science, right? Mm-hmm. And then all this stuff and all this noise, you tune it out and you were able to give it to yourself. I think it's yeah. incredibly powerful that you didn't, that it didn't come from an external source at all for you.
2: No. And the first time it did, like for those three days, I thought, oh, it's the meditation that caused it. It's this you know, particular thing. But yeah, this time it was very much like, no, I'm going to listen to myself, my own internal guidance. And yeah, once I found that joy, it was so loud and clear looking around at the group that I was in, that people were not experiencing that. And
0: that's not what was really happening, even though that's what they were saying. Yeah. To me, intuition is the number one sort of like safety protocol tool in the toolkit for managing through an environment where you're getting gaslit and sold to and manipulated. And if people think that's just an occult, they're really fooling themselves. I mean, I, I, I have a good memory. I'm not a brilliant person. I don't know how to drive. I have a lot of problems. But for whatever reason, my memory is like one of those things. Maybe it's because I'm a cancer. We're sort of famous for it. Never forgetting. Ah, okay, it a problem. But um, it, what we're in right now feels very different from even five years ago. In terms of you're really getting pressed and sold and propagandized, and and there's so many competing narratives. And it, it seems like human consciousness, our attention, whatever—that's the new commodity. That's the new mm-hmm. resource for these. Corporate interests or whatever they are to sort of lay claim to, and I think a lot of people mistakenly think that intuition or the world of woo is like a nice to have. It's a sparkly thing. You go on a retreat in Sedona or Bali, and you do you drink some green juice and you do a little yoga. And to me, it's like, you know, like Gavin De Becker's book, The Gift of Fear. Mm-hmm. Like intuition, it's not always fear because, like you said, you released fear from your body, but it's this information that just cuts through bullshit and right. It gets, which is very inconvenient sometimes, what it will tell you. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I had a huge kundalini experience. And I, I tell people, of all places, it was in Marco Island, Florida. I was in a bikini. It was like not where you'd expect to have this experience in a bathroom, <laughs> in a condo on the beach, right? And it was God with a cat cheek, kind of a mm-hmm. telepathic conversation. And forgetting that I had to ride in a limo and then get on several flights with someone, broke up with him immediately. Like, you know, cause it's that just surge of mm-hmm. insight and clarity. And you're like, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And everything gets recalibrated suddenly. And to your point, it's not convenient at all yeah. in Brian, any way. It sometimes. can leave, but yeah you know, it saves you from other problems. It certainly does. And you were, you know, the the vow I think does a good job of showing this. Like you woke up and you woke up the people and it wasn't easy to kind of get them to see certain things. But you, because of leaning into that intuition and doing this spiritual work and listening to yourself, you got the ball rolling. And that's why he's in jail right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to say his name because I don't like to give... Yeah. I have a thing about demons and saying their names out loud. Well, it's he's an angel, kind of... You can call it yeah. in, in a way. Yeah. 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 And I also think he just gets too much attention. And that's not really the, the story for me. It's Mm -hmm. more about humans standing up for themselves and emancipating themselves. So, yeah, yeah, you did that in, you know, arduous, painful and almost impossible process of extracting yourself. But you guys got out of it. And then you had to deal with Cord and all that bullshit, because if he didn't get put in jail, he was going to be a real problem. You had a rattlesnake by the tail, man. You had to make sure you got him by the head, too. Yeah, it was really rough
2: for a while there. And actually, I'd love Adjashanti's. He's a spiritual teacher. He often says like fierce grace. He speaks of grace as being fierce because like you said, people sometimes expect it to be just all sunshine and roses. But when grace sweeps in, I mean, it dismantles everything and clears the way it clears what needs to be cleared. And yeah, for me during that period, it was like from, I guess, early 2017 when I realized what was going on to 2020 It was a three-year period of just extreme PTSD, especially before Mark, my husband, woke up. There was, it feels like it was forever, but I think it was actually three months that it took him to wake up and the stress levels that I had in my body, along with still the Kundalini stuff that was trying to be sorted out in my system. So that and the the trauma and being harassed and stalked and wondering if I was going to be killed and they were trying to throw us in
0: prison for made up crimes. Yeah. I mean, real though. Like, yeah, there were um, charges in Mexico. In Mexico, oh, yeah. kind of a wild place. Go put on a blacklist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't even imagine that. And then the it's not funny, but in a gallows humor kind of way, it's sort of funny. And I mentioned this to my husband before, because as I said to you before, we hit record. I watch Mark's podcast on YouTube, and mm-hmm. I mean, set clips and I listen to yours. And I I've said to my husband more than once, I go, Can you imagine? Like you're in Mexico. You have a spiritual awakening. You wake up. You start convincing other people. You finally are able to, like, move the needle with your own husband. You start getting people out. You survive that. There's court. And then 2020 comes. <laughs> reach, reaching the light at the end of the the entire world literally goes insane. Either for good reasons or not, but goes insane. The minute you're like, okay, yeah. here we go. I get to live a normal life now. And then the world goes
2: to shit. It was crazy. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of layers to that because, yeah, I mean, we finally, towards the end of 2019, came to Portugal, had six weeks in an Airbnb and we finally felt yeah. like, oh my gosh, we can relax. Like, he's in prison. It's done. And yeah, I guess there was like a couple of months before everything started. And in some so, ways it was <laughs> like, I know, we got like six weeks of good times, just really, you know, not a care in the world. So part of that was like, oh, come on, you know. And then another part of that was in a strange way. For those three years, I felt like I was living through such trauma and a lot of people in the world didn't understand at all. Like people just didn't have the same sensitivity for stress and trauma. And so I couldn't even relate to some of my friends because everything was great. And so once that hit, I think everyone experienced trauma in a in a new
0: way, where I, yeah, that was a whole experience. But and it struck me too that you and Mark may have, on some like soul purpose level, opted to get your medicine, like transmute things, like dealing with group think and how to navigate with your intuition Mm -hmm. ahead of the world, kind of getting bombarded with a lot yeah, of and much sorry. same stuff and yeah. in shamanism we call that way showing like being a way shower and saying oh no what you're going through is something i just crawled out of and let me help you actually mm-hmm. and yeah. having that what it was it fierce grace am i butchering Fierce it? grace yeah 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 that in i think you have really helped people go through their own collapse personal apocalypse in the years since covid and not that you guys wanted to or volunteered, but you know how spirit works, right? I felt it was a purpose, even
2: yeah. through the craziest times when it was the most stressful and I like couldn't even breathe. like I couldn't get air below my throat. And it was just so many physical symptoms of stress. And I had to like lie on the floor for much of each day just to ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but even through that whole time, I felt a huge sense of purpose. Of like, no, 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 the world needs to understand this. Yeah. And there wasn't much understanding of cults. Like there was going clear. Um, yeah. The Leah Remini show, there were a few people talking about it. Holy hell, Will Allen's movie.
0: But very disturbing. Um, yeah. And a really good one. Yeah. And they were in Austin, where I'm located for a while. Oh, and Joe Hogan almost not. bought that theater for the comedy mothership, where he could make <laughs> them watch him dance, that cult leader. Yeah. Yeah. Before they went to Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So
2: anyway, I felt such a sense of purpose of like, no, people need to understand much more how this works. And it's different now. When I would say to people back then, back in, you know, 2018 or something, I was in a cult, there would be this kind of shock horror. Oh, my gosh, you were in a cult. Now you say that and people are like, oh, yeah, they're
0: everywhere. So there's a much bigger awareness. Yeah. Happy about that. That is good. And I think we all have our own thought prisons, you know, until we break through them. And I really view spirituality, spiritual practices as the primary yeah. ends of getting out of those exactly ideologies and, and all of that. Because the more you go into direct work, whether it's meditation or energy work, and I want to talk to you about your practice, and what you're doing with people now as well. Mm-hmm. But I just find that, you know, your attachment to ideas, it melts away. Mm-hmm. And you take what comes and it changes and you always have permission to change your mind when you're in the experiment of it. Like shamanism is very, uh, it, it has no dogma. It's like, you know, do mushrooms and sit in the backyard and see what happens kind of a thing. Yeah. It's a different. And that's why I like it. It's inherently anarchistic, maybe, is the mm-hmm. word for it. There's no real top-down structures. We're not group people. Yeah. yeah. I want more people to do their spiritual work so that when shit hits the fan, they can get out. I, it's almost like mm-hmm. you're meditating and building your own spiritual practice and awakening even while you were in Nexium. It was like your bug out bag. You were like adding yes yeah. to the bug out bag. Yeah, exactly. And when you have that direct
2: connection to whatever you want to call it, you know, source, your higher yeah. self intuition, that like that's there with you and you can... You can ask and get
0: answers and, yep. and trust in that. And it doesn't lead you astray. Why do you think so many people are so wired to not trust their own intuition? You know, a lot of my coaching work, the first one, of those people going, you know, I feel like I'm making this up right now. This sounds crazy or this mm-hmm. can't be real. It, it's really inculcated. What do you think that's from? I think we're programmed not to trust it. And yeah. it feels deliberate to me
2: because if you want to take people's power, if you want to have control, then you don't want them trusting themselves because that's the ultimate power is that spiritual connection
0: and knowing and access to higher information. So, yeah. Would you recommend for someone who's, you know, maybe getting started is familiar with the woo or the the spiritual stuff, but some, some exercise or just something to keep in mind so as they're going they start to build a little bit of trust with themselves and their own intuition. I find that that's always the most challenging piece is self-doubt or trusting it. Yeah. I think the first thing, it's great
2: that you're saying this so often and reminding people, trust it, trust it, trust it. The more that we can hear people that we look up to say that, that helps. And then I always say automatic writing is helpful, however that looks to you. But, you know, for me, it started with I'd open my journal on my computer and I'd ask a question with the intention of tapping into a higher wisdom or allowing higher wisdom to come through and it would come. And people just haven't necessarily tried that, but give it a go
0: because you'll see the wise responses that come. The other thing I've I've noticed is every time I've listened to my intuition and it starts small, right? You don't do the big leaps right away. Yeah, It's never actually let me down. Whereas if I try and make decisions in a fear-based like cognitive only mind state, That has led me astray. That has let me down for. And I think the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, and you
2: learn to trust it more. Like you said, you learn that, oh, when I listen to this, it it doesn't lead me astray. It it leads to, you know, better experiences of life.
0: You learn to trust it. It's a better data set. I think it's better data. It's not as corrupted. It's not as Mm noisy. It's cleaner. It's, you know... And people, too, if you're not super in the woo, Carl Jung believed this was capable, you know, we were capable of this with our subconscious mind. This doesn't (laughs) have to be full mystical the way I view the world. You know, I always tell people I don't know how it works. It just works. Like, I don't know how to build a clock, but I can tell you what time it is.
2: Right. Or like when you pull some tarot cards, why are they so spot on? I couldn't tell you why. But they speak some language that somehow explains things in a way that has truth in it.
0: Has truth in it. So... You with um of soul and sky, you're doing your own spiritual work. You mentor people, you do one on one psychic sessions. I had the pleasure of receiving one of those on my birthday. It feels like it was ten years ago. We're living in dog bombs yeah. It's it's crazy. The last four years feel like they were decades to me. And I think that's yes. something about the world and what we're living in. But it was it was really nice and It's nice, too, as a practitioner to receive from someone, you know, who's like Mm -hmm. good. And you're like, there's a self-care aspect to receiving a spiritual session or a psychic session. I think we need it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so why don't you talk a little bit about getting into this work and and what led you to this, being someone who was a practitioner before, but doing the work for clients now and Mm -hmm. what brought you here and, and what it's like? Yeah.
2: So my mom... Uh, was a tarot reader growing up. She still is, but she did a lot of it when I was little. I think she started when I was two. And so I was surrounded by it, but I, I didn't really, I wasn't drawn to it for myself. And then there was this big awakening, as I said, in 2016. And after that awakening, I noticed that all of my psychic stuff opened up. My intuition was supercharged. It was crazy. I was like, oh, wow, I can tap into all of this and get all of this information. So I knew that my intuition had opened up. And then during the whole stressful, traumatic period of the escape, sometimes I didn't have any motivation to do anything other than, you know, speak to the FBI and rescue people and lie in the bath. <laughs> Salt was, It's a, a little training, I would imagine. Oh yeah, my gosh. It's yeah, every single day. But tarot was one thing that just called me. So it must have been for like six months where all I wanted to do was just learn about the tarot, pull the cards for myself for Mark, for people involved. And that developed. And then I started to very slowly offer readings. I think it was in 2019. And it was a a process of gaining trust in myself because also, you know, the, the cult was a lot about coaching. And that obviously went really wrong. And I wanted to just be so sure that what I was doing was pure and truly going to help people and a safe space for people. Yeah. And I gained trust um, over time and it's kind of evolved into like, yes, I still use the tarot, but it's much more like a lot of just direct messages and energy clearing and, you know, emotional type work that comes up to help people clear.
0: It's one of the reasons I wanted reading from you is because I think ethics in the woo. Industry, it, it, they're they're challenged and challenging. Yeah. Very. You know, someone like you who spends the time going, Can I be sure that I'm not doing par? Can I be sure that this is an integrity? And I know what happens when someone's not an integrity and this isn't an alignment. It can be really damaging and eroding. Yeah, it matters. And I think sometimes people are like, Whatever, it's like a tarot card reading. It's like, You guys don't understand. Like no, it's such
2: a power because people really yes. listen to you. It's a huge responsibility, and I never, I also never want to tell people what to do. Right. I know some readers will say like you need to do this. I just look at the energy and say this is what I see, and mm-hmm. you have choice. And here's what I see for your higher path or your highest path. Um, but check in with yourself. You know, always yes. feel, does this feel right in with in my gut, in my intuition.
0: And always have everything filter through that. Yeah. It's funny, this week, for whatever reason, you do, when you do this work, there's always a theme every week. And it doesn't always come from client sessions. People have been listening to this podcast and writing to me and going, hey, what's that herbal tea you drink for your, your adrenal recovery? And I'm so fastidious about not telling people what to do that I will take the time to, to write to them and go, okay, I'm not supposed to tell you that because, you know, herbs are very powerful. I don't have your medical background. It's isn't mm-hmm. tailored for me. I make it for me. I get my blood work done by a functional medicine doctor. Like I think people think I'm insane, but what I'm trying to do is show them like this stuff isn't that simple. If I were to just give you an answer, it might be harmful to you. And also, like I explain my process, so I'm like you can do the process too, and you could figure out what herbs might be helpful for you. Or and I think it's exhausting to people, but what mm-hmm. I and seeing is people, that's a bad example, maybe, but some other things, people almost wanting to outsource thinking a bit or outsource totally. information, wanting a mom or a dad to just say, do this. Yep. You know, it's a
2: safety thing mm-hmm. of if I just follow someone else's orders, then I'll be safe. Yeah, and we've I been trained.
0: They'd be happy. It'd probably be great for my business, but I can't ever just allow myself. even the little things, because I'm like, that's how it starts. I'm so OCD about it. I'm like, it's the little things. And I tell them what's in the herbal tea. And I don't give the disclaimer. This is how it begins. This is like yeah. the, sh- the shortcuts, cutting corners. The ethics start to soften at the, at the edges, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you navigate that with your own clients, especially doing mentoring, or like coaching work? If they're really asking for your advice, like how do you navigate that? with them? Yeah, always
2: with the disclaimers of, you know, yeah. check this with yourself. And I'll say, here's what I see. And I'll, you know, because for me, it's interesting. Often there's like fruits and vegetables and funnily enough herbs that come through as intuitive guidance for people. Yeah. So I will say them. I'll be like, for some reason, I'm getting, you know, this plant that looks like this kind of thing. And we'll figure out what it is. But then I say, we don't know exactly what that means. It could be just a signpost for you. Like maybe they've got a forest full of that herb in their garden and they need to spend more time in the garden. Right. Um, or maybe it is good for them internally, but they need to check that in all the various ways. Yeah. But it's a general vibe or sense that you get if a person's wanting to give away their power to you. And if I feel that, then I just really kind of lean a bit further in the other direction of helping them feel like, what does it feel like to you? What's what's right for you? What's yeah. it? What feels like a yes or a no to you? And just helping them connect
0: to that. It's a harder sell, Bonnie. <laughs> it's the right <laughs> thing to do, but it's it's a hilarious business model. Trust me. I have I like why am I doing? I'm like not arguing with myself but almost arguing with clients. said, "Why are you looking to me for this? This isn't good for you." Yeah. Um uh, yeah, they're like and people want the certainty and it, and
2: certainty sells for sure. Yes.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. The first season of True Detective, have you seen it? No, I haven't, Connie. It's uh, not a masterpiece. Sign. So, mm, it, it's about theology, philosophy, you know, voodoo, and well, the like astral plane versus here. It's really something. But they go to see a like in Louisiana, rural Louisiana, a tent preacher, right? Who actually is a theologian, and it's this great character. And they talk. Rust Cole is this famous character because he's a nihilist pessimist, not really, but he pretends to be because. The reason the preacher is successful is, you know, it, there's a proportionality to the amount of certainty he can project. Mm-hmm. He absorbs their dread and offers them like this faux catharsis, right? This back and forth, this contract with the people in the tent. He was saying it in this very, uh, he was filled with contempt, uh, the people in the tent. And he's like, they're not splitting the atom anytime soon. And he's making fun of religion and belief and all these things. But There is something to the certainty. People like it; it makes them feel safe. Same with the news. Same with politics. Same with anything. Yeah, there's nothing true about certainty. If you look at quantum physics, it's nothing but paradox. Right. Right.
2: And who gets to call themselves an expert? And why? And what's that based on? And why do you outsource to the expert over your
0: own inner knowing? Mm -hmm. It's really important. the emancipation that I hope is coming in the dragon year. I really do. Mm -hmm. I have hopes for this year. I'm not traditionally very optimistic. So everyone's like, really? I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to, you're not going to enjoy it. People like me are going to really enjoy watching the veil of illusion, I think, come down. But I think it's going to be, I feel it too. Yeah. yeah. And with, you know, having survived all of this quite publicly and then starting your own spiritual practice, you know, because I listen to your podcast and it caught my attention that despite you demonstrating at every turn how accurate your intuition was, how thoughtful and and on point you have been, I think demonstrably, measurably, uh, people started to kind of come at you in the comments for being spiritual, doing psychic work. And this was like their red line. And <laughs> it the aggression. With which they approached you was really shocking to me. Actually, yeah, um, that was like kind of an, of an, an initiation. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, go ahead. Lyingly language mm-hmm. in some cases, because after I heard your podcast episode about it, I think Mark joined it. Or, I mean, yeah, he did. Yeah, he had some I good thoughts about it, well. and he's he's a little bit more like I am. Where he's like, "Where's my baseball bat? Where does this he long?" And then he he it just he said that was like an initial thing. He kind of calmed down. He put it into context, but. How do you handle that? Because I can't imagine that's not re-traumatizing. And it's like a cult kind of coming at you for being you again, like all over again. It was crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I knew that when I really all out told my spiritual story about my awakening, there would be some backlash because it's a little trippy. You know, there's a lot of very, um, you could call them woo-woo or whatever, like, esoteric things and everyone has their own ideas about all of that and my audience you know who listen to my podcast tend to be really open and accepting but my episode got picked up by a blog and I won't go into like who who I think wrote the anonymous blog but it kind of picked everything apart it like dissected my episode (laughs) my my awakening and then it encouraged people to comment. And yeah, the comment section on that blog was brutal, really mean. I can't even remember all of them yet, but I think I got called like an
0: airhead. and um It was really misogynistic was the other thing I noticed. Oh, I wasn't it was particularly sensitive to those things. Mm-hmm. I tend to de-escalate. I'm like, no, people are allowed to talk about, you know, Nikki Haley, how she's mm-hmm. running for president, right? Like, I'm not that triggered all the time and it was like oh this is very geared towards who does she think she is she should shut up would be pretty you know lit right it was wild it was really brutal Uh, people who know that you survived a cult and helped wake everybody up and and help save people that thats the context so it just was shocking to me yeah
2: and it hurt like i had a day where and i felt it energetically too there was an energetic attack and I actually was working with an energy healer that day. And without me saying anything to her, she was like,
0: what's going on?
2: She was sending me messages saying, oh my gosh, what are these bullets coming at you, Bonnie? She's like, I've never felt this. She's like, ants crawling on my skin and just bullets. I was like, yep, that's what's coming. So there was the energetic aspect. So I did a lot of clearing. And then I actually just did some deep emotional work to sit with how I felt offended and how I felt rejected and not accepted and all the wounds that it brought up in me and I would just sit with the feelings in my body until they kind of like eased up and released and dissolved. And then after a couple of days and some really good meditation and emotional work, suddenly I was able to start laughing at the comments and I was looking at them, looking for them in a way to have a good laugh. I was like, let's see what else they're saying. And And then I noticed that there was a healing that happened when I could actually enjoy reading them and be like, oh, my gosh, this is so stupid. So then I did a podcast episode once I'd reached that point where I could kind of have a good laugh about it and be like, this is what happens. And it's not really a laughing matter. Like, I was able to move through it. But that is why people don't share. Yeah. And we need people to share. We need people to know what's possible and to be inspired and to wake up. But because there can be so much backlash and
0: negativity and judgment and all of that, it, it's, it's scary for people. I've never seen a third ramp like spirituality and these topics. It's wild mm-hmm. because it's a huge industry. People do this stuff. They go to retreats. They, you know what I mean? They The meditation apps. I've looked at the numbers. But if you mention this, there's such a – you can feel everyone's perineum just kind of tighten and constrict. And yeah. You know, when I was in in corporate, I was working on a beta test of the tarot deck, like printing it, looking at it and seeing how are these coming out. And I had a coworker who was in senior and like C-suite leadership who was very into tarot, you know, like secretly, right? In the <laughs> closet. And I brought some of the cards to dinner just to get his opinion on business dinner. And he was like, these are great, but you, she's like, you cannot bring these out. Do not tell people you are doing this. And yeah, I... I wasn't even angry at him. I was just confused. I was like, but you and I both know you are very into this. Like, what, what, what is this? For yeah, society the touts being open and accepting and all of this, this is the one area where you're not allowed to come out of the, as my friend Britt calls it, the broom closet. Like, mm-hmm. she's a witch. and Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, why do you think that is? Is it just because it's so powerful? This is like that last thought prison that we can't get out of, maybe? I mean, I think it goes back to that
2: the whole programming to not listen to our intuition, for sure, there's some of that. And then there's all these organized religions that point a finger specifically at things like the tarot and anything new age where, you know, it gets called the devil's work. And, um, yeah, I feel like that judgment that's built into those systems is also to stop you from finding your own truth because it's a structured... Uh, group or organization or whatever that they want to keep you in and yes like psychic attacks and things can happen and we need to do it carefully with protection and grounding and everything but I think that things like tarot (laughs) they get such a bad rap and a lot of people are really scared and or they secretly believe in it but they don't want to say it because they don't want the judgment
0: it's funny, too, because, you know, that particular coworker was on the board of a, a Christian school, fundamentalist Christian school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said to me, he goes, well, you know, you're a witch. I go, I want you to understand when you go to news what that ceremony is. And I kind of broke it down for him and told him, like, you know, it goes back to pre-Judaic, Sumerian, Mesopotamian culture and its transfiguration and transmutation of a Messiah, God, man's body and blood into... You know, that's what communion is. Exactly. And it's like the witchiest shit in the world. And they wear dresses. Right. And they have staffs like they're pharaohs. I mean, if, you, if you're not theologically illiterate, Christianity is one of the most mystical uh-huh. belief systems out there. Absolutely. It's, it's just a funny thing that when you're in it, you don't see it that way. Maybe.
2: Yeah. Or it comes down to the fundamentalist where you think that you've found the way and every other way is wrong. And that that's you, an easy trap to slip into. Yeah. Especially if you legitimately find something real, which I know a lot of people do. Like they'll find Jesus and um, I have nothing against Jesus. Like I actually resonate with the Christ energy. But if you find something and then you think that this one system has all the answers and was the cause of that, th- that thing that you found, it can get you in that trap.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I and it relationships are like that. I think a lot of things are like that where it's like, nope, this is it. This is nice and neat, and I'm going to put a bow on it. Yeah, um, For anyone out there that is thinking about starting their own spiritual practice or doing this work with clients, you know, who hears this and they, they get nervous about some of the pushback, mm-hmm. what would you say to them about what to expect and whether or not it's worth it, you know, <laughs> honestly?
2: Yeah, I would, you know, ask them in terms of their life purpose, Yeah, what's important. Because when I think of it in that way, it's like I am here to be some kind of a way shower, as you said. I feel a strong sense of purpose to to speak my truth and lead people to what might be true for them. So I'd encourage people to connect to their purpose and why that's so important to them. And then like feel into the loss of what if you hold back because you're afraid of the backlash? You know? Does that feel like a life well lived? Okay. And a life lived on purpose, and also there's a there's a huge freedom in getting judged and getting the backlash, and then processing it and realizing that you're fine, you're okay. It's like mm-hmm. it actually breaks another one of those cages of worrying what people think. Yeah, and that's These a lovely one to they break. Think
0: their whole life will end, like that feeling yeah. it gives them, and it's like you'll breathe air, the sun rises. You still Mm -hmm. exist after that. And right. Maybe I was just I'm beginning to learn that I think I'm really on the spectrum. Like I'm not necessarily naive, but I'm fairly literal. And I remember being younger, being like, well, when you're a grown up, you could just like live your life. Be who you want to be kind of a thing. And Mm -hmm. you won't have these like peer pressure or this sort of stuff that kids kind of get into. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You grow up and you're like, it's worse. Like it was better in school. It's it's yeah, the same. And then you have all the
2: voices from the kids in school and all the years since that yeah. if, you're, if you're buying into that, it's such a mental trap. And I feel like it's a tragedy to not live your life the way you're being called Yeah, just because you're afraid of all of those voices of what they'll think.
0: I also think contemplating the big spiritual so what is kind of it. Like, if you're not thinking about, you know, what, what do I think happens to me after I die? Yeah. What, why, do, why do I think I came here? What do I think this place is? You know, like, what's my role in it? What do I believe? I, don't, I just have a feeling that that sneaks up on when life events happen.
2: Yeah, especially if there's fear around it and you haven't, you know, delved into if there's a fear of death or something, then that weighs over you the whole time. Yeah. And it, and it drives your decisions. And it's, yeah, it's like a cage of fear that when you face those things, there's so much more freedom.
0: Yeah. My big mission right now, it's it's kind of hyper specific. Um, it's just everyone getting laid off while they're being told the economy is great and the jobs report is great. Right. I talk to doing this work, you know, this, having done it now for many years, I talk to a lot of people and they're honest with me. In our, mm-hmm. this setting, it's a little bit more intimate and vulnerable, right? So mm-hmm. across socioeconomic strata, location, lifestyle types, et cetera, it's it really people are really losing not just their job, but their mm-hmm. profession. I mean, it's rocking right now. It really yes. is. People yeah. are really yeah. struggling. As an actress, you know, they mm-hmm. were trying to basically get everybody in the actors union to sign off their likeness to be recreated by AI mm-hmm. in perpetuity. Like it's yeah. why that amongst many other things. It's really yes. It's it's really rough. Yeah. It's hitting a lot of different industries. And I don't know that everybody's talking about it. And my little thing with shamanism or or what I do at or on this podcast is getting people to do some of this before the boom comes down. Or or if the boom's already happened, using that as an opportunity to really examine a crossroads and be intentional. Mm-hmm. And go, listen, who am I without this profession, without this identity, without this career, or, you know, two cars in the garage? Who cares? Like, really getting to the root of who you are. And, yeah, you know, you're someone who's had your identity and a lot of your relationships and how you made your money. All those things were tied up together in, in ESP, taken from you very abruptly and in a very negative way. Yeah. So I, I just would love your advice. And I know it's a big, we could really boil the ocean on this. Yeah. How to navigate that personal apocalypse, because I think it's happening to a lot of people. And it's overwhelming. But how to move through it and tell yourself that it's not the end and to not maybe cling mm-hmm. to things that are really abusive or dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. because You don't want to drift off into space. Right? Yeah, it feels like for the people who can
2: start to really ask those deeper questions and look within and look at what might be a deeper purpose beyond like the safe little things that they've been in. It feels like that's a much easier ride than if you're unwilling to look at it and you're holding on for dear life to some structure that might fall apart. Because I I think that we're in a huge time of transformation and a lot of the old structures are crumbling and, you know, jobs are falling away And it's much better if you do that work before that happens because then that really is rough. But at at the same time, if that happens and you find yourself in that kind of a place where suddenly everything's falling apart, I find what really, really helps is to remember a higher purpose. I always felt that there was like divine guidance to all of it. So even in the despair and everything was just a complete mess, I did have that connection of like, there is this fierce grace that's happening and things are being stripped away. And that gives you a kind of trust in the process. Yeah. And it does. It strips away all your identity, which in a way is great, even though it's really hard. Those identities are not true.
0: And yeah. we hold that together with fear. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, my friend Roger and I, we've done a few episodes of this together, and we we had decided last year that our sort of personal goal was to be stubborn, <laughs> like spiritually stubborn, uh-huh. and not, not in give away too much. Like, not live like an animal in fear, not reach out for things that we know are dying, not contribute to the lie or tell ourselves a lie. So that we could comfort ourselves, but to be like kind of stubborn old bastards about it, Mm -hmm. like a spiritual version of like the old guy on the front porch with the shotgun, (laughs) (laughs) being a little ruthless, yeah, or just like deciding like I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be less killable in in whatever way that is, personally, spiritually, emotionally. I love it. Stubborn and cling. A little bit to who and what I am and not give in. Yeah. yeah. Hold on to your power. Harder than it sounds, by the way. Oh, sometimes. it's not pretty. It's
2: not pretty. And that's the thing. I think we need to embrace the mess too. Yes. And, and even and even with all the sunshine and roses, nothing's perfect. And it's important to remember that.
0: Yeah. and You know, just figuring out what parts of you remain after the gray, uh bonfire, the vanities. You know, if five years ago, you asked me if I was going to be living in Texas with a chicken coop. <laughs> and the snakes, snakes, right? Yeah, little, little cute snakes. And I, you know, it'd be a big now. but we're here and it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. And it's like all that other stuff was kind of just noise and filler and the little beautiful parts of it. Like living in Chicago, going to Steppenwolf and watching a Tracy Letts play or going to the art museum. But yeah, it, it's come and gone now. Now it's a new... We're in a new part of the Joseph Campbell hero. Totally. journey. Yeah. So, and we don't know what's going to come from here. I'm stoked. I'm big on the, I'm bullish on the year of the dragon. So we'll see. Um, I love that. Yeah. I haven't felt this way in many years. Right. I felt kind of like, well, it's going to be more of this for a while there. And then this year is like, you yeah, know, I think bullshit kind of, I think it dissipates.
2: Yeah. It feels like to it. There's an overall sense that people are taking their power back. That's kind of the theme.
0: I love it. Um, yeah. So you know we have a sponsor here on the Skeptical Shaman podcast, and it is the Totem Tarot deck. And if we don't, uh, oh, yes, yeah, I'll hear about it. And I've yeah. got this here, the holy water. That's great. Um, I sent Bonnie flower essences, and and we learned a lot about. Uh, thank you. Customs in Portugal. Oh so my gosh, it's So, so, so I try no to man. send stuff to Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, but thank you so much. Your it flower like essences a, are yeah. amazing. One, of the, thank you. One of the levels of Super Mario Brothers. There were like Bowser's and lakes of fire, um, and and sometimes you plans.
2: don't even get the stuff. There's some yeah. earrings that were meant to arrive last year, like or a year ago. That who knows what happened.
0: Yeah, well, let's put it out. Maybe the fairers will bring it to you. So, Biha, <laughs> do you have a, a question for the terror? or Anything you want to into? In terms of personal or collective,
2: it's up to you. Um, you know, well. I know people, obviously there's the year of the dragon and today, astrologically, I hear there's something big going on too, but this will probably come out later. So how about just a little
0: energy overview for the next little while? I love it. Oh, it's so good, especially for you. I'm I'm like, not a stan of you, but as a human being, I'm like, I want Bonnie to have an easy time, but <laughs> I want things to be easy and good. Three of moons, three of cups, the ultimate flow state card. Mm. Things being easy, being able to take your foot off the gas. Yes. Not cruise control, not not paying attention, but more of that woo way of, you know, helpful people connecting, synchronicities, things, the universe carrying you.
2: It's that is the, the thing that calls reader. me the most, totally. And I feel like that actually is the message that I want to say to people the most. It's like... Crazy stuff can happen in life and in the world, but you can still tap into that.
0: I saw your post on Instagram today, and it was about, you don't have to go hard. You don't have to work all the time. You don't have to do this. The pace. I've noticed the pace, too. And when I was in corporate, I wrote actually a white paper about the rate of change and innovation and how the lifespan of an S&P 500 company, is like infinitesimal relative to what it was even 25 years ago. Like things... Cycles are moving so much faster. The churn is more aggressive. What's being expected of the individual human is just inhumane, right? Like yeah. gear up on this, learn this, train up on this, do this, change this, do this now, work three or four jobs, drive an Uber. It's it's too much. at at a certain point, like letting go. And and your post, I don't want to butcher but it was something like when you realize you don't have to do that to survive. So maybe you could talk about mm-hmm. that because it is the message of it. Yeah. That's amazing. So I've
2: been reflecting a lot on, you know, when you're doing stuff from a place of inspiration, things can actually happen really fast and you can be really productive. At at least for me, the way I work, it's like, bang, 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 like all this stuff flows out and I achieve so much from that place of flow. But if I'm trying to force, which means that it's based on fear of like, I got to get this done or I have to achieve or whatever it is. Stuff doesn't work, and that's when it feels like a grind and a treadmill. And we have the capacity to tap back into that source, really, to find the flow and then let that carry us versus muscling.
0: It's funny, you know, I don't know if I ever shared this with you. Watching the vow, a lot of those meetings and trainings reminded me of corporate. Yeah, to a T in the sense of like, I just need to do this, or I just need to eke it out, or I just need to endure. Another six months, I'm going to hit that level Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be okay. It's that is kind of our whole system Mm is built at least in part on that. Yeah. And whether parts of it are illusion or not is sort of beside the point because you just don't need to be in it. You don't need to be in that conference room to begin with. No. Yeah. And I really want to say to people,
2: like, if you're, if you feel like you're on that treadmill, and I think a lot of people feel like they're in despair right now
0: because of the inflation and everything, it's like, yeah, we have to. Now, you know why we have chickens. I'm done $10 for a dozen eggs, pasture-raised eggs. Amazing. Incredible. Incredible. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, Yeah. but you don't have to.
2: There are ways to kind of get out of that trap. And no matter what's going on in the world, you can activate and manifest incredibly abundant things.
0: I agree with that. I think that's a great note to end on. I'm going to put all your links in the show notes so people know where to find you where to find the podcast but why don't you tell everybody you know the best way to find you follow you and get some of these uh thoughtful missives yeah so you can listen to i am the sky my
2: podcast on instagram i'm bonnie m peace confusing spelling you can put it in the show notes Um, that's my personal and then of soul and sky is my spiritual one and um i send out little thoughts and stuff in my newsletter as well if people want to jump on that that's in the the bio in Instagram.
0: Yeah, the newsletter is great. And I'm one of those people, if it's a good newsletter, I always read it. Like I because part for me, that's part synchronicity of like, yeah. why am I getting this today? And then if they're not good, it's an immediate unsubscribe. And yours. Yeah. Awkward. Oh, good. I'm just getting I, that breaking the cut. <laughs> you are just and, you know, to your point, I need I needed to feel like someone wrote it because they wanted to say it. It came from somewhere. And it's not like a Hey, today reminds me of buying this thing for me. I'm, I'm officially at my end. We're yeah, we can't take that, that anymore. Well, thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Rachel. Time. Thanks for having me. Here at the Skeptical Showman podcast, we have a few sponsors that make all of these incredible conversations and discussions possible. Please take a moment to listen to a word from our sponsors.
1: Are you feeling disconnected from magic? Do you find yourself staring out the window in your nondescript workplace wishing you were among the trees in the sunlight? Are you being slowly drained by your office energy vampire? You know the one. They won't stop talking about our cat, said the vet for the third time this month. Is the disembodied hand you purchased from a traveler acting up at night, opening drawers in your bedside table and disrupting your circadian rhythms? Well, Totem Flower Essences might be right for you. Purchase Totem Flower Essences on Etsy. And one drop of these magical potions can alchemically transmute your energy body, arming you with unmitigated powers of sorcery. Totem flower essences, be ungovernable. Totem flower essences are handmade by an emotionally unstable and morally dubious shaman, potentially injecting your life with raw chaos and magic in the attention of various pagan gods, used responsibly.